In last week's episode, our resident industry expert, Graham Robbins from Border Buddy is back. Plus, I have a guest host. So Audrey Ross, my co-host from the Trade Squad, is stepping into the hot seat and is asking Graham all the questions, all about crypto, trade wars, Uh, mistakes made in business. You are not going to want to miss that episode. So go and check that out. That's at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 74. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode is brought to you by IANA. IANA represents the intermodal freight transportation industry. Every year they put on a massive event, Intermodal Expo, where the stakeholders, decision makers, and influencers of the intermodal supply chain gather. Expo is the place to be to make connections and advance your business. Expo will be held in Long Beach, California, September 15th through 18th, and I'll be attending and hope to see See you there. Register online today at intermodalexpo.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's the beginning of the month and you know what that means. Woman in Supply Chain is back and the powerhouse that is joining me today shares her story of beginning her career in supply chain. Then she used her skills to build a successful yoga company only to come back into supply chain and use her entrepreneurial muscle to help partner and build up a company in our community. Hulft is our sponsor for this episode because they think that the supply chain industry is growing dynamically and yet women still only fill 15% of top-level supply chain positions. Hulft believes that gender equality and diversity is critical of an inclusive workforce, and we're committed to making a difference where they can. A little bit about Hulft. Hulft provides a single global platform and allows IT to find, secure, transform, and move information at scale. Hulft's seasoned data logistics consultants uncover hidden pain points, automate tedious manual operations, and streamline data flow worldwide. Worldwide. For 25 years, Hulft has helped more than 10,000 customers automate, orchestrate, and accelerate their global data logistics, making it easier on IT and putting data to work for the enterprise. Learn more at hulftinc.com. And before we get to our story today, um, let's get to Listener's Corner and the question of the week. So the question I asked is, is supply chain the only words we can use to describe supply chain? And I asked this because this came up in a conversation that I had with somebody at a conference a few months ago, and they're a new disruptor to the industry. Um, and they're wondering what other words that we can use to describe supply chain. I wasn't sure how to answer this, so I thought that I would pose it to the community and see what you guys had to say. And you guys had a lot to say, and uh, so you'll find most of the answers over at letstalksupplychain.com under Listener's Corner if you're um, looking to get more of these answers. But I'm going to go through a couple that we have today. So over on the Let's 
Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, Joe Perez, Resource Network Optimization, Christopher Thornton Jr., Efficient Satisfaction, Rodney Apple, Value Chain. That one came up a lot. Irina Roska mentioned it. A few other people mentioned it as well. I like that one. Um, not sure that the next generation or even people in our industry would relate to it. Um, I'm wondering if there's a more a, a better way or, or better words that we can use for people to relate to it. Um, Carlos Suarez says, "Last defense against expense." It kind of reminds me of Harry Potter, you know, last last defense against arts or or whatever. Larry Cofton says, "The supply chain is what we work on." We do is optimize business business processes. Jared H. Smith says the value grid. Uh, Robert Garrison, he really likes the word supply chain. He says it's perfect. You know, marketing doesn't want to change their name. Finance doesn't want to change their name. And the definition of supply chain is a sequence of processes involved in the production and distribution. So he does not want to see that changed at all. Um, Christopher Thornton also said demand mitigation. So all really, really good answers. Animesh Kumar, integrator of information, finance, and stock flow. David Warimu says, getter dunners, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. And then over on my personal LinkedIn, Michael Greer said, flow of goods from factory to home or just factory to home. Johan Strawn, he said, how about demand network? And Stephen R. Spulik says, net chain. So, so many really, really great responses. Remember to go to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram every single Wednesday so that you can comment on the question of the week and share your thoughts. So, remember when I said that the path is never straight and how we have learned from some of our powerhouse women about just trying anyway. Well, today's story proves it and I can't wait for you to meet Pauline. So here's a little bit about Pauline Caballero. As Buckland's chief revenue officer, Pauline is responsible for leading sales and revenue growth strategies and initiatives to achieve the company's short and long-term goals. Pauline began her career at Buckland in 2017 and has extensive experience working with privately held organizations in a variety of industries to establish a strong culture and operating principles that drive results. With over a decade of experience in customs and logistics, she has a dynamic portfolio to support Buckland's growth. In addition to this, Pauline has created a successful franchise in the health and wellness industry, which continues to flourish. Pauline holds a BA from the University of Toronto, as well as an NBA from York University. So welcome to the show, Pauline. Thanks, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, you and I only met a little while ago because one of your employees, Matt, emailed me to refer you to the Woman in Supply Chain series. And I'm so glad that he did. And I love it when people do that. We need to refer people more and, and make sure that the world gets to know our stories. And I'm so I'm super excited to chat about your journey to success. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get started. So how did you get your start in supply chain? And what did your journey look like up until the point that you left supply chain? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. It's funny, you know, I really stumbled into the industry. My intention was to um, go to teacher's college, actually, and I found a summer job because I was bilingual with a small parcel company. And I started that job and never left. So I was with a small parcel company for just over 10 years. And I absolutely enjoyed 
every single moment of understanding that packages moved, how they moved. And I ended up being really great. Who knew early on in my career at filling the bellies of airplanes. So my first kind of freight forwarding experience was filling the YYZ, the Toronto lane to um, Charles de Gaulle in France, in Paris. But that's really how I started in supply chain was through small parcel and um, was fortunate enough to grow my career um, for well over a decade. I also gained some experience in um, vice president of sales for a freight forwarding company and then also worked in customs brokerage, which was another world of its own when the Canadian government was implementing the Canadian self-assessment program. Um, I was fortunate enough to be involved in that domain as well. But it was interesting, you know, when I left supply chain, I left for a very specific reason. I was busy. I found it challenging, um, one, as a woman to make inroads within um, the leadership team and at the executive level. And I was willing to cope with those challenges by um, doing a practice called yoga. And I would find myself doing yoga um, quite often, actually. So often that eventually I left the supply chain to open up my own yoga studio, which is sort of what I was doing in my hiatus. Um, I left supply chain for about eight years. Um, and there is where I sort of just started um, playing with what does it look like to live um, an empowered life, a life that has um, healthy habits, and then also um, a regular yoga practice. So I was really fortunate enough to open up a yoga studio called Power Yoga Canada with um, a business partner. And we grew from one to over 10 studios in, in the GTA. And um, yeah, that's sort of what I was doing. I started in supply chain sheer by accident. And I'll say this though, one of the most important things for me and how I set up my small business is that I utilized a lot of the skills that I had gained while I was in supply chain, while I was working with small parcel. So um, I'll get to that in just a second, because I want to dive deeper into some of those skills that you translated. But it's kind of funny, right? A lot of us fell into supply chain. And uh, I love your story. You know, it's, it's a, a journey of really self-discovery. And But before we go into the skills that you translated, I think that it's important topic to talk about mental health, um, especially in supply chain, right? It's a very busy um, industry, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, um, you know, the, the different parts of supply chain, like you said, have worlds of their own, you know, customs from freight to procurement, like they're all these little um, sort of clusters or cities that um, have sort of their own language and, and everything like that. So when you were, um, were you looking for something to help with your mental health or to decrease stress while you were working in supply chain? Is that sort of how that, that passion for yoga started? Yeah, I mean, it really started that way. What I was finding as a young mom with, um, you know, a high level of, of, of accountabilities really within the organizations. I was finding that I was traveling quite frequently. Um, mm. so I was having a hard time managing the stress levels. I was also having a hard time really managing my weight and managing, you know, the, my internal dialogue. And one of the tools that I used on a quite regular basis was the practice of um, meditation and the practice of 
yoga and really moving, creating that regular practice as a coping mechanism, really. Right. So that kind of how, how you got started was just sort of that awareness, you know, that this is the career path that I've chosen for now. Um, and, but I need tools in my toolkit to really help make sure that I'm making the most, not only for my personal success, but my career success as well. And I like the fact that you mentioned the meditation. So before yoga came the meditation or did it come simultaneously? It kind of came simultaneously. And I'll tell you, like, one of the things I was also, I was looking around at all of our different leadership teams, and um, I just knew what I didn't want. If I was going to stay in this industry or if I was going to stay really in this in this role that I had been in, I needed to find a new way to cope with everything that was coming at me. Right. Right. And that's, and it's, you know, something that is truly important that I really don't think that we talk enough about. Um, And I know that meditation and yoga worked for you, but there's so many other things that people can, can turn to and try. Meditation is difficult. It's taken me a few years um, to really get into that regular meditation practice. Um, And for me, it's stretching. So I do, I do my own type of yoga, but I like the stretching part of yoga. And so um, that's what really grounds me. And so again, I think it's important to stress that, you know, it's not necessarily meditation and yoga for everybody, but that's what kind of worked for you. And you can work it into your life um, in different ways and how it would work into your life. Cause we all obviously live different lives with, with different responsibilities and, um, different mindsets and things like that. So let's talk about the skills that you learned in supply chain and, you know, transitioning from a corporate job to um, deciding to go out on your own and taking that leap into a startup. You know, first of all, how did you make that decision to go into a startup from your corporate job? And second of all, what skills that you learned in supply chain uh, translated into that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I made the choice to go into a startup, not with the intention of going into a startup. So what I mean by that is, you know, Sarah, like, like you're saying, yoga and meditation was just my practice. I I mean, I was just driving into the office and I saw a bunch of people going for a walk on their lunch break. And I think that's just another form of um, getting moving inside and creating some type of practice. But the whole reason why I started a yoga studio was really just for a place for me to practice. My intention was actually never to quit my job. It was never to leave supply chain and freight forwarding um, industry at all. It was really just, I wanted a place where I could practice that worked for me in my schedule because one of the challenges, you know, in an executive position is that you're often quite busy. Um, schedules don't necessarily fit. I had a very young family and what I was finding is all of these yoga classes were at six o'clock or at five 30 and I could never make it there on time. So really we were looking for a place to open where we would offer 9 PM classes so I could finish my day of work, go home and put my kids down for bed, you know, have dinner with my husband and then go and still get a yoga practice in or subsequently have a class that was early enough, a 5 AM class that you could still get into yoga get home, get the kids off to school and get to the office. And so that's really, that was the whole framework as to why I even look to open up a yoga studio. Right. Just because of the flexibility that you needed with the schedule that you had. Totally. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what, 
this what was were some before, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say this was like this is before podcasts and more um accessibility, I'll say, with YouTube and so forth. But yeah. Oh right, to like some of the meditation apps and, and different things like that that have that have come out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So what were some of the skills then that you translated into into your startup that you learned in supply chain? Yeah. So um, with with the skills that I use, I found I I found that what I was able to do is I was able to create something that's scalable. You know, and I think one of the things that we learn so often in the supply chain industry is starting from the foundation. So if we take something as simple as you know building a lane, a shipping lane. It's there's the fundamental building blocks and mm-hmm. starting from the bottom and starting from the foundation is really, I'll say the, the first thing that uh, translated in our business. And with that, it was a system. So we were starting a small little yoga studio, but what was very important was that the system that got put in place in order for everything to run, invoicing the clients, getting the order, which is, you know, people signing up for classes ensuring that they can track their progress, which would be tracking a shipment. And then we were able to build them in a, in, um, in a sustainable manner. So I'll say that was like the one key point that I took from my career with supply chain and and brought forth into my small business. Yeah. And I would also, um, maybe not for you, but I, I also find that the problem solving aspect of, you know, especially in the logistics side of things. Um, but supply chain as a whole, I think um, the problem solving that you learn within supply chain can be translated really into anything. Oh, 100%. I mean, um, it's the number one thing like, okay, this, this flight just got canceled. Now what do you do? How yeah. do you arrange that? And that's something that definitely um, shows up in a small business 100%. Absolutely. So then let's, you know, get back to your journey. And then you decided to jump right back into supply chain. Um, Why don't you tell us when, how, and why did you get back into supply chain if you already have a successful franchise? Well, I mean, if you would have told me three years ago that I would be sitting here talking to you (laughs) back into the supply chain world, I would have laughed. Um, only because there is definitely a certain freedom. But um, what I was really interested in, I I learned so much in this industry. And when I left, I left, um, I left it and I felt like I hadn't uh, accomplished everything or contributed to it in a way in which I thought made a difference. And recently I was given the opportunity um, by the owner of our company to come in and shift the culture of an organization. So by that, I was given the opportunity to look at, oh, how is it that we're operating and who are we being in our organization and how can we, how can we better serve our clients? How can we better serve our internal employees? How can we as managers or leadership team create a difference within an organization that is distinct and unique. And um, that's sort of the premise of how I got back into it. But I'll say that, you know, what was really interesting for me about that opportunity was this day and age, we're seeing a lot of different companies like the likes of Facebook and Shopify, a Canadian e-commerce company, where they've created, a, I'll call it a fun culture, um, a culture in which 
people want to get into. And I'm seeing that there's a gap in, um, in fulfilling roles and the, the pipeline in the logistics world. And I'm curious as to what does it look like to make logistics um, extremely enticing? Because hmm. as we move forward into the future, more and more we're seeing that online shopping is increasing. Goods are warehousing and distribution, cross-docking. All of these supply chain requirements are going to increase, not decrease. And so what does it look like to shift the way in which our industry is operated? Who do we need to be? How do we need to be as team? And um, and what type of innovation needs to happen? So really what, what kind of interest, like interested me in coming back was that I had the opportunity to take you know, the skills that I've been learning in, I'll say the yoga and wellness world, and really taking being, moving, and fueling how you're fueling your body, incorporating all of that into the supply chain world. And what does it look like? Or would we be able to make a shift in a, I'll say a legacy industry? Yeah, because there's a lot of uh, traditional ways of doing things. And you're right, we and I've I've spoken about this on the trade squad, my my show on my YouTube channel, um, or we have as a collective whole, you know, everything in this industry needs to shift. Um, because we talk about that talent shortage, but it's not about the talent. And it's not about the talent pool. I don't think it's about the tradition that we need to get away from. And we need to be able to, you know, like you said, make this industry enticing, show that it is fun, show that it is sexy, show that it, that we are thinking about the next generation. And what does that future like look like? What do our companies want that future to look like for our talent pool? Mm -hmm. And so it's a definite mind shift um, from where we've started um, to where we need to be and to where we need to grow. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, and I'll say this, you know, in my short time period here, I, I will say that, and by short, I mean, I've, I've really been back in the industry just over two years now. Um, I've seen that companies and customers are hungry for it. They're interested in what are your company's core values? How mm -hmm. do you do business together? I'll say traditional ways in operating and being are now being challenged. Um, which is quite exciting, actually. And and I'm curious to see what companies are, are willing and able to make the shift as the industry shifts, you know, mm -hmm. as we begin to innovate, not only in technology, but also in how we deal um, with people. You know, traditionally, supply chain has been a very relationship-driven um, sales force. And I'm curious to see what it looks like when um, when everything is equal, what's going to be the distinguishing factor. And so those are sort of the things that we're playing with um, internally within our organization of how can we find and, and do business better and how can we do it differently? Yeah. And I think another important factor there that, that people are really looking to companies to portray and, and let them know is what's next. You know, what, do, what does the future look like for the company? What are you, what, what are your forward thinking thoughts about where the business is going to go and how customers can move with you, grow with you, um, et cetera? Because I think that that's becoming more and more important in some of those discussions that 
you know, customers, service providers are having um, to make that partnership work and to think more into the future than just really right now. So um, let's talk a little bit about risks. I mean, obviously, talking about your journey to success, you have leaped, (laughs) you have taken some risks. And I think that it's important because, you know, a lot of a lot of people may have opportunities that come up. Uh, They may have ideas that they want to jump on, but they're not necessarily sure how. So what advice would you give to others about taking risks? How did you work through taking the leaps that you did? Well, that's a really great question. I mean, um, for myself personally, I think that um, I wasn't willing to continue to live my life with a I wish I or I should have. And I'll say that um, that's part of the reason why I took the initial risk with the yoga studio. And I'll say one thing that it was a calculated risk, you know, very methodical. And by that, um, we originally opened up the business while I was still working. The intention was never really just to quit my job. Um, So I think one of the things I would say to people in terms of when you're looking and calculating a risk, it's how do you how do you mitigate it and, and be responsible about it? And so it's not just about jumping in and you know, two feet in, I'm going to commit to this thing, but are you actually taking care of your, you know, financial, your financial engine? Is your economic engine handled? Is your personal you know, engine handled? Is your um, passion handled? So I think there's different mediums and different areas that that people should look at before you just, I'll say, blindly take the leap. And then the other thing I'll caution is what holds you back from taking any risk at all. So if there's a calculated risk that's right in front of you and you're unwilling to make the decision, you know, I'll say that's one of the um, the things that I see a lot in the in the logistics industry is decision fatigue. There's almost so many decisions that are being thrown at us that. Um, really people are unwilling to take any risk at all and therefore nothing gets done. And I'll say that's probably why we find ourselves in this industry very much at status quo. What what I found baffling was, Sarah, when I left the industry to where it is today is relatively the same. Meanwhile, (laughs) you know, Uber has been invented. Uber Eats is, is happening. I mean, you can hire a photographer to follow you around on your vacation through an app and when I returned to the logistics industry, it was like, oh, wow, it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would echo those sentiments. But I, I like that you um, coined that phrase, decision fatigue. Why, why do you think that we have that? You think that there's just too many decisions on a daily basis, both personal and business? Or are we just talking about the supply chain industry? I think that I think altogether we have decision fatigue. Um, meaning personal. So if you think about how many decisions you have to make even before you get into the office, and then specifically in this industry, how many decisions do you have to make while you're in the office, even right from um, an entry-level position? Do I use this carrier? Do I, do, do I use that carrier? Do I build a relationship over here with, with this delivery agent? How about this delivery agent? Where am I with this technology? So you can, you, if you look at your chain of events from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed at how many different decisions you make. And mm-hmm. a lot of them are very high here in the freight industry, even if there's a very strong 
process-driven internally within your organization. A lot of your staff are making a lot of decisions. And so how do we how do we create a clear picture? How do we create ease and flow, I guess, is really what I'm committed to. Well, and to give them the confidence to keep going with those decisions as well and allowing for mistakes. Because I think a lot of times we get caught up in failing. Yeah. Right? Totally. Just failing in one decision, failing in one decision versus even failing in a startup. Like that's part of the journey, guys. Oh, 100%. I mean, the ability to fail and the ability to um, be okay with making a mistake. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you look back at our small business, we've made a ton of mistakes. We've had locations that we've opened and had to close. Um, You know, and I can see here, even coming into this organization, I can see where um, staff are afraid to make decisions. So what does it look like as a leadership team to provide people with the freedom to make a decision and to know that even if it's the wrong decision, that will support them, that we have yeah. back. Yeah, that's super, super important. All right. So let's, because this is a woman in supply chain series, I do have to ask the question. Um, did you face any challenges in the supply chain industry as a woman in business? And how did you overcome those? I left. So the answer is yes. <laughs> I encountered them. And... Um, yeah, I'll say my younger version of myself left. I gave up. I was like, you know what? It's way easier to be successful in the yoga business. And, right. I, and I left. Um, and I left because I ha- I felt like I had hit a ceiling, that I wasn't going to move forward in my career unless someone died out of their position because of um, the amount of legacy and the amount of tenure that's here in the supply chain with very little movement. Right. experience. And, um, and I, you know, and I'll say this being a woman also provided me with a, a significant amount of success. I was on the, I was on the sales side and, um, you know, in my early twenties, I was a young, ambitious individual and, um, was able to build relationships quickly and strong relationships. And I was quite successful, um, in my small parcel career to the tune of, you know, President's Club, et cetera, like top sales or income earner. Um, but as I started to go up the chain, I would, I would say that it, I found it much more challenging. Although there's amazing examples right now in the supply chain of women leadership um, across various different companies. So, you know, I'll say that was my personal experience. And then if I look out into the field, there have been many women that have been quite successful throughout supply chain. Absolutely. So then what do you think are our biggest challenges in this industry? You've, you've taken a step back, you've taken another step back in, you know, what do you see are the biggest challenges? And I know that there's a lot, so maybe just narrow it down to a couple. Yeah. I mean, I will say the biggest challenge would be innovation and collaboration. So my, you know, what I'm really curious about is who will be the top innovators and how will we all collaborate together? Because there's, um, there is a lot of movement in transportation and, um, right now it's very isolated and quite frankly, we have, you know, top tier and then we have everyone else. Mm hmm. And yeah, and it's very siloed, right? The traditional thinking in this industry is siloed and it still it still is. You know, I find that a lot of the conversations that I'm having 
um, with different stakeholders in supply chain. Um, it's still kind of that siloed mentality and, you know, not still not, some are talking about collaboration, but I don't feel there's enough. Right. I mean, we still operate off of a traditional hub and spoke model. Right. I, I mean, yeah, we, we, do. we do. And which is quite interesting because there, I don't, there isn't another industry that you can look to that is still operating off of the same model that it began with. Um, I mean, I was speaking with a client the other day and they were sharing with me how they ship their goods to the West coast and then bring them back to the East coast, you know, via intermodal. And I'm, I'm just kind of questioning, like, why are we even doing it that way? Um, so obviously there's, I would say, yeah, the two biggest things, Sarah, would be innovation and collaboration. And, and I mm-hmm. think the, the companies and the organizations that do that well over the next five years will be the leaders in this industry. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. All right. So we're coming down to the end of the interview. So I want to know from you, what is next for Pauline? What, what are your big plans? You know, um, great question. My big plans really as simple as I'm interested in putting together um, a model that works internally here within our organization of how to develop talent, sustain talent and have our talent thrive. Um, and then I, I would like us for I would like for us to share that with the industry in terms of best practices. So that's sort of what we're what I'm up to is creating a program where others can thrive and really create um, the onset and the early collaboration of developing talent within the supply chain network. Well, I am definitely excited to see what you come up with. And if anybody wants to, you know, take a look at what you're doing and keep in touch, make sure you go to LinkedIn and connect with Pauline. Um, I have always been a strong believer that you can have a few passions and clearly working on a few have paid off for Pauline. Take that leap, try different industries and find the place you feel the most happy, connected and successful because it's different for everyone. For more information about Pauline, how to connect with her on LinkedIn and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 75. Thank you so much, Pauline, for coming on the show, trusting me to help tell your story and for you, you know, just coming on the show and sharing your story with the community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I look forward to um, following your podcast moving forward. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain.
If you liked this episode, you can find the other Woman in Supply Chain episodes under podcast at letstalksupplychain.com. Get ready for next week because Brendan T. Adams is here. He talks about his family business in logistics and supply chain, starting with ICE. Yes, he was shipping ICE, and now he's an advisor with ShipChain. You're not going to want to miss that episode, so stay tuned next week. If you want to help support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Um, go Go and rate and review the show on iTunes, Twitter, not Twitter, Google Play and Stitcher so other people can find us and I will mention your review in an upcoming episode. If you're looking looking for merch, I have a shop button over at letstalksupplychain.com where you will find a supply chain dictionary full of acronyms and definitions you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Plus, I have some uh, t-shirts and tank tops with important sayings that I talk about all over the show. Um, and so if you're looking for that, go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Next, ships, shipz.com. Yes, it's the platform that I've been talking about forever, but we are so close to launching that I want you to be one of the first people to know. And the only way to do that is go to ships.com, fill in the information so that you are on that exclusive list. Follow us, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and also go and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss out on any of the new content that is coming out. The YouTube channel is called the SC Supply Chain TV, and you can also find that link over at letstalksupplychain.com. Thank you so much for all your support. I hope you have an amazing day. And remember, everybody, ship happens.